You know, I, I was teaching like environmental chemistry at the end of the year last year, and I was trying to give them kind of like a hook on knowing the word stratosphere. And I said, you know, that phrase like knocked it out of the stratosphere or knocked it into the stratosphere or something. Yeah. Like baseball stuff. They had no idea what I was talking about. I feel like knock out of the park or like. Okay. Knock in the stratosphere? I guess. I mean, I would get it if somebody said it. The stratosphere is God's baseball park. It's up in the sky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, welcome to Story Hole. Let's play baseball with God. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they have baseball in heaven? Um, Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but they they have to sit in the outfield. Well, that's where the angels go. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they can't uh-huh. actually play. Uh, I know that they call Daryl Strawberry the god of baseball. Yeah. Uh, do you think when he dies that God is going to challenge him to a one-on-one? One-on-one baseball game? To settle, yeah, settle it once and for all who the real god of baseball is? Yeah. Definitely. I think so. My money's on Daryl. The old Barry man. <laughs> I get it. Uh, is there a devil of baseball? Um, yeah, it's uh, Ken Mark McGuire. Yeah, it's Mark McGuire. <laughs> That's what I meant. I don't, that's pretty much all the baseball players. Oh, I know, I know, Andre Ethier. <laughs> I don't know. He has a really cool. He has a cool song. He's on the Dodgers. He's like Sammy. He's got, he's got his own theme song. Well, you, when you okay, so when you're he's like a professional wrestler. No, every baseball player has a song that they play for them as they walk on the field. Is that true? It, uh-huh. That is like his, that is like professional wrestling. That's a is. real WWE. That's show. not true. You get to choose. It's, I swear to God, he plays uh, Trace Delinquentes. That's his. That's a song. It's really good. What would you choose? And 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 Wee Man's in the music video when he's younger on the skateboard. <laughs> I met Wee Man once. Yeah? And by met, I mean I was in the same parking lot as him. But I saw him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did you guys get along, you think, in your head? Yeah, I think. Yeah, it seemed like he likes me. What's your baseball theme, though? I feel like the song that brings the most energy to anything in my life was Soul Flower by The Far Side. And, I mean, I I probably would go with that. It's just high energy. It's fun. It's got horns. It's got four dudes yelling a bunch. It's it's good. That's what I want. It's it's, it's like a house party built into a song, pretty much. Yeah. I'd probably do that baseball song that they play at the baseball games, you know. (laughs) Take me out to the ball game. game, Yeah, Yeah, that's pretty good. (laughs) Uh, Kevin? For my baseball song? Yeah. Yeah. It'd have to be... Blue from Eiffel 65. Yeah, that's really good. Because that's your theme song for everything in your life. Yeah, I think I just (laughs) plug that in wherever. (laughs) And it's legitimate, though. a baking competition, I'd probably come out to that one. (laughs) But that's not not ironic, right? You legitimately like the song. No, I do really like the song, yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of funny because, Kevin, you and I have similarities in... in in our music tastes, and I feel like I rarely have that with anybody in my life. Because you grew up listening to, like, Europop and stuff, right? Um, like drum and bass, I, whenever I could get to it. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like the reason for that is because we both played Mega Man when we were younger. Yeah. And I think that probably influenced my, my, uh, preference in music a lot. I agree. I hundred percent between that and the Mortal Kombat soundtrack that I had in third yeah. grade. I, bet, um, yeah. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of people that played Mega Man when they were young and you two are probably the only two that still like blue by Apple 65 though. The only one that, that beat it. Yeah, that's true. We earned, earned the blue tie because you know how he's blue. You know how he's blue, and you know how my mic is a blue brand. That's, that's, it unlocked the secret code, so we got to hear the album. Uh, you know, like a, a month before everybody else. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's incredible. But that's actually kind of perfect because I want to talk to you today about the band The Gorillas. Yeah, and uh, I think that musical influences are, are a huge thing to me. At least in my personal, I imagine a lot of people think that too. But 
uh, in my own way. I kind of, I kind of feel like a part of my identity came from like different bands and stuff that I liked. Beyond I just, beyond just music taste, you feel like part of yeah, your absolutely. identity, your personality is influenced mm-hmm. by it. Yeah, well, I think I so. Because I mean, when I was a kid, like, so I liked Daft Punk when I was in elementary school. It was like 1996, 1997. Uh, they weren't robots yet, but I, I liked it so much <laughs> that I followed them into that. And when they became robots, and you became just, a robot. Like, <laughs> I became a robot. That's it. But I, I think like truly like Mega Man and and Daft Punk and uh, I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff. Mars Volta I like a lot when I was like late teens. I, I know that you're very into robots. I think we've talked about this before on the yeah. podcast, actually, yeah. how you, you would want to die by the hands of a robot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've never I've never put that together, though, that you have such a like a history with loving robot things like Daft yeah. Punk and Mega Man. Yeah, Everybody, those are like your two big things from your childhood are probably yeah, Mega Man yeah, and yeah. Daft Punk. I mean, yeah. if, if, if I was a Trivial Pursuit thing and I had five, five wedges, <laughs> you would have robots, you'd have space, you would have animals. And then you'd have three more slices of pie. <laughs> yeah, blueberry <laughs> pie for the rest. I'm half blueberry pies when I'm getting that. Yeah. Again, it's that whole blue theme I'm going for. <laughs> so many connections. Well, do you guys want to talk about gorillas? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know much about them, so. I know nothing. Pretty much all you need to know is that there's two main contributors in Joe, our human is this story going to make me feel good? Uh. <laughs> if it doesn't if it doesn't i'll make you feel good later that was my that's the beginning of that <laughs> sorry <laughs> that was the that was from the song that's good uh also are uh, so are we looking at um the history of the 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 actual band or are we talking about the fictional narrative the fiction of the cartoon band okay cool because they're the ones who are the actual band in theory. Oh. Um, that all comes from two guys that kind of set this up. So there's Jamie Hewlett, who is the comic book artist for Tank Girl. Okay. And Damon Albarn, who's the singer for Blur. If you mm-hmm. don't know who Blur is, they're the ones who did that song that goes, woohoo. Woohoo. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they also did Tender, if you know that song. But they end up being flatmates. And, but I don't understand that because they're probably both famous enough that they didn't need a roommate at that time. And so they met by coincidence and became roommates. Hmm. So well, they had that perfect connection right off the bat, and they knew that they had to live together. Yeah, yeah, kind of so, like kind of like the three of us. Yeah, yeah, we have that connection. Mm-hmm. I'm very rich. I could definitely <laughs> afford anything that I want, but I chose to live with uh, yeah. Roger. Uh-huh. And, and right now, I am also extremely wealthy, but I choose to live in your garage, Joey. <laughs> hey, but hey, side note: Let's just congratulate Roger for a second because he just bought a house. Congratulations. When are you going to move in? <laughs> you don't want me moving into that house. <laughs> you know what I do. You know how I live. Yeah. <laughs> so these two guys are hanging out. Uh, they come up with this great idea. They're like, you know what? Um, it's it's kind of stems from a kind of harsh criticism of like the MTV generation. They're like, everybody just idolizes these celebrities. This is bullshit. What is the furthest we can push this and and make a mockery of it? And like, well, let's just make a cartoon band. There's not even going to be any real characters for anybody to idolize. That's the best way we can go about doing it. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and so the whole thing is um, the two of them are equal contributors. They're the only two that actually make up this band, hmm. plus guests. 
a lot of guests is pretty much what it is. Um, so the blur guy writes all the music, and then the illustrator makes all the the visuals, makes the characters. Pretty much. I mean, at this point, because they're like famous and whatever, there's probably a whole army of people that help them. There's mm-hmm. there's like contributors and producers and stuff like that. And, yeah, yeah. And since they they make it very very consistent that they always have guests on their tracks. That might be for like beat. That might be for someone playing guitar or adding an extra layer of vocals. It's kind of all over the place. So these two guys, they decided they're gonna make they're gonna make a band. And so I'm gonna pop back and forth between the real world every once in a while to give you some context because some of the things that happen in real life affect the way that the the band, the cartoon fictional band, actually progresses. Okay. A good example of what I was just saying though. Um, so there's an MTV Cribs. There's an episode of MTV Cribs <laughs> that takes place in the first studio in the fictional cartoon world. So we're going to be in the cartoon world unless I otherwise specify from here on out. Is it completely animated? It's completely animated. Okay. But what they do is they kind of back, they go back and forth between everything being two-dimensional, three-dimensional, uh, puppets, claymation. There's a whole bunch of weird stuff. Sometimes they'll get live-action people and put them in the set. But just for all intents and purposes... Let's just say that it's all animated to make it easy. Okay, okay everything's okay. animated. So they have an animated episode of MTV Cribs, which if you're younger, you probably don't remember, but on MTV, <laughs> um, towards like the end of the MTV reign, mm-hmm. they had a bunch of like reality shows, and some of them were to go show off rich people's houses that were like, musicians or famous folk. Uh, and so just as a funny thing, they <laughs> they go, and, and Murdoch, who's one of the members, he's the founding member of the band in the fictional world, uh, is like you know walking us around and showing us everything. Now the thing you need to know about the girl is going into this is that they're heavily influenced by really dark stuff, a lot of old scary movies, zombies, um, uh, vampires, really crude humor. But they all the, the characters themselves have their own specific personality. So Murdoch is just a disgusting. He's a he's a he's a finagler. He's a he's a con artist. He's a kind of a pervert. Um, so he's just a gross. He's the green one, right? He's got he's green the skin. green one. Yeah, he's got green skin. Yeah. Is um, he a singer or the bassist? He's the bassist. The uh, bassist. Yeah, so he's the one who actually starts the band. But anyway, I'm just kind of talking about this MTV Cribs thing because I was wanted to explain like when they were making fun of. It, I thought it was funny that uh, because they're like we're so anti this MTV gen- generation, but we'll make our own fake cribs. And in it, they like they're like straight up just ragging on MTV. Like he, there's a whole scene where for like five minutes, Murdoch is just pissing on MTV Movie Awards and and the, <laughs> and peeing on walls and stuff. It's really it's just all over the place. There's like a, it's pretty good. That sounds great. Literally pissing, not not figuratively pissing. He's literally pissing. He's holding his wiener and he's peeing all over the place, <laughs> which is kind of kind of the norm for for what you have to expect for these characters because they're pretty That's great. all over the place. So uh, let's start with uh, with Murdoch then. Since Murdoch is the first one to more or less make the band, we should probably figure out who he is. So Murdoch, his name is Murdoch Nichols, but his middle name is Faust, um, oh, which cool. uh, depending on when this episode comes out, you will have the history of who Faust is. But that's yeah. directly tied to Murdoch. Murdoch is he was born June 6, 1966. So his birthday is 666. He's a Satanist. Hey, cool. And uh, that's pretty standard. He has an up- upside down cross necklace. The storyline that goes along with this is sometimes things change. So initially, on record, uh, he's been called an immortalist by Jamie Hewlett. An immortalist is supposed to be, he's been around since the dawn of time. So when he's green, it's because he has a rotting carcass uh, for skin. Wow. Yeah. But in, in later dates, it, it's been said that he's just green because he likes to tan green. <laughs> I mean, he, does, he doesn't shower. He's just a gross guy. So, man, I, mean, I wish much. I wish that was an option that you could tan whatever color you want. That's <laughs> oh, really that good. would be cool. I'm so tired of being pink all the time. 
What color would you be? Blue Dabba D. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be kind of a flesh tone, I think. Yeah, I'd be <laughs> my exact same color that I have now. Although I have kind of weird skin. I have a um, Neapolitan ice cream skin. <laughs> it's sweet and delicious. Well, I, mean, I think it's, it's creamy like, and smooth. No, because my I tan because like my Apache Mexican part, so I tan pretty brown. My hands are red. I don't know why my hands are red. And then I'm just also kind of white. If you looked at my legs, I would just be a white guy. <laughs> Yeah, anyone who's listening is welcome to come over to the beach. We can go to the beach together and you can see all three of my skin tones next to each other. And you will see that I'm, I'm definitely Neapolitan ice cream colored. I'm pretty, so. I'm pretty pale. I'm pretty pale all around, except I have one really dark part. <laughs> Where is it? I don't know. <laughs> Joe, your hands probably wouldn't be so red if it wasn't for all the blood. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you got to stop with the murder. When I was a kid and uh, anyone ever accused me of doing something wrong, I would always say, well, you caught me red-handed. And I would show them my hands because they had red hands. <laughs> funny. Yeah, so that's my gross body. <laughs> yeah. On this episode of My Gross Body. <laughs> my Gross Body. All right, so let's get into it. So Murdoch decides uh, he needs to make a really big, like, chart-topping band. He, he wants to get famous. He wants to get the money so that he can just more or less go on, like, these you know, weird vacations and like crazy binge drinking and, and partying or whatever else. And so his, his, his goal is I'm gonna make a really big band. It's going to be awesome. And then I'm also gonna make a bunch of money kind of as a get rich quick scheme slash because he wants the fame. Uh, and so it starts with the idea that he's going to go into, he's going to break into a music shop and he's going to steal all the equipment from it. So at that time, there's uh, another character that I want to introduce. Okay. So there's a, a, a little boy, his name is Stuart Pot, and he was really into like synth pop of the '80s and The Cure. When he was young, it's speculated that his his dad changed his last name from Tuss Pot to Pot um, because he didn't want the kid to get made fun of. So I presume Tuss Pot is some sort of insult. I don't really know. Um, I don't know. Yeah. But this is like taking place place as of currently in, in Essex, um, uh, in it's like in England, it's like above London. And so I imagine uh, over there in Essex that maybe calling someone a tusspot is an insult. I don't know. So when he was 11 years old, he, he hit his head on his tree, on, on a tree, and it caused his hair to turn blue. <laughs> you know, he's a little boy. He, he likes old zombie movies. He's into westerns. He's kind of timid. Uh, he was obsessed with like synthesizers. So he got a job working at a, at, a, at a music shop. While he was working at this music shop, that's when Murdoch crashed his car through the window <laughs> and into his eyeball. <laughs> What? He crashed into the, the car kid's eyeball? into his eye. I think he's like 18 at this point, you know. Uh-huh. He's younger than Murdoch. It's funny because you can see storyboards of this, and it's just him screaming, and the car wheel is going into his eye. <laughs> um, and so what ends up happening is it more or less puts him into like a catatonic state yeah. where he's just mm-hmm. pretty much he's not responsive at all. But uh, Murdoch got in trouble for it, so he was sentenced to 30,000 hours of community service and to be the caretaker for Stu Pot until he gets better pretty much is he uh, is he like in a coma at this point so he's he's awake he's like he's like he's not responsive yeah of course you know being the responsible good uh, citizen that he is uh murdoch nichols throws him in the back of the back of his car and he starts doing donuts in a a parking (laughs) lot of a a tesco which is kind of like a costco yeah uh so yeah so like a market think of like a market parking lot at night it's funny because like in the again in in storyboards you see the girls are like flashing him and stuff (laughs) but that's probably not true at all because he tends to like romanticize stories make them like way bigger than they actually are ornament stuff 
but it's never <laughs> it's never right. So it was probably just someone over there, and he just thinks he's being a hot shot. Yeah. And so in his words, he gunned it to, to 90 miles an hour and lost control of the car, <laughs> and he crashed, and that sent Stu Pot out the window. Oh, no. And in that accident, it kind of shook him back up, so he gets back up and he's kind of awake again. But now he has two busted eyes. <laughs> and so if you ever see... The characters, we already know, described the first guy. He's he's, he's green. Um, he's kind of gross. He kind of has a lizard tongue, just to put that out there, too, uh, and one red eye. But this other guy, who is more or less just kind of a, a human-y kind of guy, is a kind of a scrawny, like a white dude, but with blue hair, uh, and now he has two black eyes. And they're, uh, when you say black eyes, they're not they're not like bruised around the skin. His actual eyeball is solid black, right? So so there's two things about that. The initial interview with, with those two characters... They're laughing about it, and they just say he's missing his eyes. He doesn't have eyeballs anymore. Oh. But that goes on to change. Okay. The accepted canon now is that he just has blood that's completely pulled into his eyeballs. Oh. And so you you just see black. He has black okay. eyes. And okay. so, yeah, so the actual, think like the white part and like the iris, the whole thing is blacked out. Seeing this, Murdoch says... Oh shit! Like that's the guy. He he he's kind of dreamy. He's kind of handsome. He's got blue hair and those two black eyes. Those two dents <laughs> that he has in his head are fantastic for a lead man. <laughs> because of those two dents that he has, he starts calling him Two D. That's where oh, he gets his cool. name. Yeah. So Two D. Two D is the front man, and and that is appointed more or less by Murdoch. But what we need to understand is that from here on out. We are now going to set up how these two interact. Murdoch is a do anything, take anything, control and scare and do whatever it takes to get what I want kind of guy. And 2D is kind of a a timid dude. And he's kind of afraid of Murdoch and it limits him from his ability to do whatever he wants to do. But he is a talented musician. So he plays, you know, he plays synth, he plays melodica, he, he sings... And um, he's the front man. That's what it is. So we have two of our ma- uh, band members at this point. But they're uh, not. So they're not really friends per se. No, they're it's not like, friends at all. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, not like not at all. But I think it's safe to say that Murdoch is scaring him into doing this. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like what? Uh, it's kind of like what you guys are doing to me with this podcast, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and you better, you better shut up. Don't you? Don't you do what we say? <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I'm gonna come and bop you in the eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. <laughs> well, I do want to talk about that a little bit. There's an actual, there's an, there's an animation on online. Oh, okay, okay, okay. This backstory was in that cartoon. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, so. And it looks like it was dated. It looks like it was made around the year 2000, which I think is important just to kind of point out for later on in the story. It may have been done by a fan, but it is a good time capsule for animation from the year 2000. It looks kind of like in the style of the... Like the Flash animated Attack of the Clones, the Star Wars series. It's really angular. Like Samurai Jack, kind of. Kind of like Samurai Jack. I, I would say mm-hmm. it looks a lot like Dexter's Laboratory, a lot like oh, Powerpuff okay. Girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was kind of a, a cartoon style that was really famous around like mm-hmm. the year 2000. If I can get technical, it's kind of like Googie architecture, if you know what that is. Not at all. Gucci? <laughs> Lots of big ovals and stuff. Kind of just retro, vintage Yeah. Yeah, retro, vintage kind of retro futurism a lot of big angular arrows and starbursts and like mm-hmm. weird organic round shapes carpet in the bathroom <laughs> carpet in the <laughs> yeah, bathroom like, carpet on the walls too it's always a like great orange, orange carpet too what was going on at <laughs> that time um, why did we stop doing that we should I take mean, that back yeah we can that could be our mission for this roger just bought a house yeah i'm gonna put carpet everywhere yeah <laughs> i like that 
All right, so we're back in the story now. They need a studio. They need to find a place for them to start recording their music. Murdoch uh, finds a website for gigantic disused haunted studios in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I wish that was real. Phase one takes place at this place called Kong Mansion, spelled K-H-O-N-G at first, but in the music video, it's just Kong, K-O-N-G. There's a man named Sir Emmerich Kong, who was the original owner of this. Uh, this site was a cemetery. It was a, a body dump for people who died in the plague of 1665. Wow. And it was also used as a meeting point for the Goat Clan, which is a clan of Druids. Um, so uh, Emmerich Kong, he erected the mansion on the dump. It is clearly haunted. All right. So there's a cemetery. It's up on a hill. That's why you see in the very first like big music video, uh, Clint Eastwood, there's a bunch of like hands popping up and, and monsters kind of running around. It's kind of spooky. He says, this is perfect for what we need, and I'm going to go over it. And it's with the understanding that they'll only have it rented for a few months, and that's fine. But when they go to check it out, Murdoch and 2D, they, they go up to the place, and the owners run out screaming and just throw them the keys. And then they're like, oh, this is perfect for what we're going to do. Then. So, so they, that's, that's it. They set up camp. They live there. They record there. That's everything. Is 2D into it, too, or just Murdoch? 2D's into it, too. Cool. Yeah. So he, he knows. I mean, he's a scaredy cat, but he was kind of down. So it's yeah. it's fine at that point. But we only have two members. And if you guys have ever seen anything with gorillas, you know that there's more or less four members. So let's go to New York. We're in New York now. We're going to forget. We're going to go to the next guy. All right. Russell Hobbs is the next guy. He's the drummer for the band. He was going to a private school, but they expelled him because he was going under like crazy trauma for demon possession. Wow. That's insensitive. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Come this guy's on. going through some hard times, so we're going to kick him out of school. Yeah. yeah. That's how you build a champion. <laughs> uh, but it's actually kind of the best thing that could have happened to him. Um, so first things first, you can see that his eyes are white. All right. And white eyes are something that they loosely associate with being possessed. So mm -hmm. whenever you see a character with white eyes, it usually means there's something going on with that. Anyway, uh, the extent of his possession was so gnarly that he fell into a coma for four years. And eventually they exercised the demons out of him and he woke up. When he woke up, he went to public school and that's where he met a bunch of rappers. Now, the rappers are more or less the way that they tie real life. Why do we have guests on on our tracks, you know? So if you guys know who Del the Funky Homo Sapien is, yeah. in uh, the first album, uh, he's Del the Funky Ghost. <laughs> and so he's on a couple tracks. He's on uh, uh, Clint Eastwood. He's on Rock the House. He's actually the one who's like, singing it all in Rock the House. That's how they tie that in. So he meets all these friends. They're all like really into music and rap and stuff. And so he finally finds people that are kind of into what he likes. But then they're at a 7-Eleven one day. And a black Hummer comes by, and there's a bunch of hooded red figures and one black hooded figure. And they open up, and they shoot all of them. Whoa. And they, they kill all of his friends. Oh, no. Yeah, all of his friends. He survives, but all of his friends are now dead, and he's really sad. But he gets a good look at the guy with the black hood on and starts calling him the Grim Reaper. And so he kind of starts popping up more as time goes on. So we already know that he's a vessel for, for you know, spirits and demons all of his dead friends get soaked into his body and use him as a vessel which is why he now has way more skill because he's taking all of their abilities now so he has a bunch of rappers souls inside of them yes exactly oh, that's really good yeah how, so that's, how bummed out would you guys be if you were a ghost and you were working on possessing this guy and then he goes to sleep for four years and he finally pulled it off <laughs> well i mean can i still like I, I, what's it like being in a brain 
I, I like a, it's like thinking right now. <laughs> right. Are you saying like because the demon? So when the demon's inside him, he goes into coma for four years. Yeah, they finally are getting control of this guy. They finally get the the possessions working out, and they get to be in a real human body again. And then the body goes to sleep for four years, and they're just stuck in there. Yeah, must be hard. It's a bad possession. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless you can kind of just hang out, it might just be a vacation. Yeah, because if I was a demon, I feel like I could take control of your thoughts, right? So suddenly I could say I'm in the Bahamas and I'm having a great time. <laughs> oh, so like Inception kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, that's probably how it works. That's what Inception's about, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Also, would you guys like it or not like it if we were all hanging out and then the other two got shot and died and died and died? And then their ghosts oh, I wouldn't, went inside I wouldn't of like you. that. Would you like it? Yeah. <laughs> we should try to arrange would, that if we can. I wouldn't. Li- I wouldn't like it if my friends were shot in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> who's no, uh, whose body are we die. jumping into? I mean, I guess that's our choice. Who do we want? I want, I want to be in Roger's body. Yeah, yeah I got the most room. There's plenty of room in me. Yeah. Yeah. You're really tall. You I always want to be like, be like to be tall. Do you want the top half or the bottom half? Top. I like oh, tall ceilings. That's a good choice. Yeah. So, okay, you guys yeah. have the top half. I'll take the bottom half. <laughs> That's where all my favorite parts are anyway. Wait, so do, do Kevin and I have to uh, keep, do we both have to like, share the top half? Yeah. Come we on, man. Split, in split, in, split in thirds. It's my body. <laughs> I get the master bedroom, you know? Okay. That's true. Yeah, I changed my That's mind. Fair. I want to go, go to someone else's body that'll give me <laughs> equitable amount of room. Um, anyway, so let's go. Let's move, move forward, yeah? Okay. Yeah. So these spirits imbue him with all sorts of musical powers, and that's why he's such a good drummer. But because of the violence, his parents shipped him overseas, um, and he gets a job at a record store. Uh, That's where Murdoch runs into him, and uh, he's asking him about records, and he's asking about some obscure records from the 50s. He knows what he's doing, and he's really impressed. So uh, he goes, and he grabs a bag and puts it over his head and kidnaps him. So Murdoch Murdoch kidnaps Russell. Russell, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, like a plastic bag? Yeah. And, uh, it's dangerous. So then he, <laughs> Russell ends up waking up at Kong Studios, and while he's there, because he's kind of a casual kind of casual cruiser, he's really smart, he's kind of a mediator, he's pretty quiet, but he likes the music, so he says, all right, I'll stay, I'll do this, this sounds good. <laughs> um, and so that's that's kind of that's kind of where he comes from. Uh, fun things about Russell, he likes taxidermy. He doesn't really put up with Murdoch's bullshit, so he, he won't. He's not scared of Murdoch in any way. It'd be pretty hard to scare a guy who's been through what he's been through. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. And he's a, he's a big dude too. He's like he's got he's got to be like twice the size, three times the size as as the other dude. So yeah, there's no worries for him. So he's at Kong Studios now, and you know we would in theory think that we need the fourth person that would be our guitarist. So this is where a character comes in that you guys probably don't know about, Paula Cracker. Paula Cracker is 2D's girlfriend who plays guitar, but at this time, 2D and Russell become really good friends, and one day Russell walks into the bathroom, the same one that uh, I was opening up and talking about how Murdoch was peeing all over the awards and the walls and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and they're, they're boning down in there. Mur- Murdoch? Murdoch, Murdoch and Paula are, yeah. Oh no. And, and oh, he man. sees it, and since he's such good friends with 2D, he gets pissed, and so he grabs Murdoch and he punches him in the face and breaks his nose in five places <laughs> and uh, uh, and then they kick Paul out of the band they say no we don't want you here this is going to be drama and since Murdoch is kind of just a whatever guy he doesn't care too much about anything it's not like he, he, he wants Paula to be around he just wants to be successful so he's like oh alright whatever that's fine does 2D and, break up with her? yes and, and 2D's heartbroken of course he's more of an emotional guy but um, they don't have a guitar player 
So they put out an ad, and they, they, for whatever reason, I guess they're just fine the next day. But they put out an ad. They're looking for, <laughs> they're looking for a new guitar player. Immediately, uh, a FedEx crate shows up on their doorstep. Yeah, <laughs> a ten-year-old Japanese girl <laughs> breaks out of it, does a, a twenty-foot karate kick, and starts wailing on the guitar and plays a solo that that Murdoch describes as the most talented guitar player he's ever seen. Um, and Two D says it's like brilliant, it's fantastic. So immediately they're like, "Yep, you're part of this." She doesn't speak English though, so she only says the word "noodle," and that's that's all she says to them. <laughs> now, if you want to put yourself in Noodle's head for a second, uh, she doesn't know where she came from. She doesn't know anything about her life, her past, or, or anything. She just knows she's good at guitar. They call her Noodle, and she's down to make some music. Huh. Noodle becomes one of the main writers in in the fiction for the band. She writes albums on her own, which become the albums for the band. So she's kind of, even though she's kind of quiet and she's a little kid at this point, uh, an interesting thing to think about: she actually grows up as the time goes on. So by the end of the story, she's an adult, like in real time. In real time, yeah. Wow. Which, which doesn't happen in in other cartoons. I saw a thing from Game Theory yesterday with Matt Pat, who is one of our listeners. If you guys recall from <laughs> one of our earlier episodes. <laughs> Psst, that's not actually true. Also, congratulations on your baby, Matt Pat. Hi, <laughs> Matt Pat. Yeah, so, um, he, and he talks about Ash Ketchum's age and mm-hmm. how he's been 10 years old forever. <laughs> uh, that show's been on for like 20 years. I didn't know Pokemon was still on. Yeah. But um, he, he maths it out and he says, you know, Ash would probably be in theory 18 years old. Anyway, that's a whole side thing. But cartoon characters don't usually age, but yeah. she actually has age and she's an adult now. Um, at this point, she's a 10 year old girl. She's a little girl. She's tiny. Is that how you get FedEx packages? Is just put an ad out for something? That's usually how it works, yeah. Okay. There is actually some some reason behind that, but I can't get into it yet. Okay. Oh, it it comes wait. with the story later, because we don't know where she came from. And that's kind of what's fun about this, is that these mysteries unravel over the course of, you know, several years. Do you have um, a guess, Roger? Um... I'm going to say she is a plant. So there's somebody that's trying to like mm. um, get to Murdoch and mm. she's like maybe a spy of some kind that's sent to infiltrate. Wouldn't she need to know her own background for something like that? Maybe she's like a Manchurian candidate situation. Okay. She doesn't know, but she's a sleeper agent. Sleeper that's agent. My guess. I think she's probably a, a robot. Hmm. All right. You guys are both kind of kind of there. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, but, but we'll get there. You're, you're close. Both of you are very close. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. So, uh, wow, way to go. <laughs> in the in the lore at this point, they, they're ready. They make some music. They put out a song. They have their first show. And when they're doing the show, the crowd goes so nuts that they start rioting. Uh, and they're unable to finish their set. But there is a, a representative from the label AMI. Name, his name is Whiffy Sniffy. And he's really, he's really excited about it. So he just has a shotgun on him and he shoots it to the sky to get everybody to get away from them. <laughs> and uh, then, then he uh, more or less signs them immediately to the label. This is the, where the full album comes out. That's where we know. That's phase one. That's the, the, the extent of everything that's there. But there are some little loose ends that I, I'm going to go ahead and tie up for you real quick. At that time, Kong Studios was allegedly shut down to be investigated for ghosts. Uh, and in the lore, these people, or the, the bandmates, were going to go off to go shoot a movie. Now, this is kind of 
representative of real life, but kind of not. At that time, they were releasing these DVDs with shorts that people were thought were amping up for an actual movie. Oh man, these are teasers for it. But later on, in like a much later date, there's is revealed that that was more or less the scrapped results of uh, of a test for the movie that they weren't actually getting funded for. Uh. It seems like they were amping up this whole idea of them going off to get ready for a movie because they were actually going to shoot a movie and then they didn't follow through with it. Mm -hmm. That's why the band was doing that. And it's kind of a weird lost detail. Also, at this time, there's a mockumentary called Charts of Darkness, and it's about the two founding human members that we talked about in real life in real life. Yeah. Okay. The, the musician and the, and the artist. And it's about them in an insane asylum, but it's, it's fake. It's obviously, so it's a fake thing, but it's a mockumentary that was made for TV about them being in an insane asylum. But huh. that's also neither here nor there. It's something else that was released as a side thing. After the, the first album, they kind of split ways for a little bit. Uh, 2D decides to go home and he works at his dad's fair. There's an interview and it's, you know, he's talking in front of like bumper cars. Murdoch goes to Mexico with the money that he has so far, uh, he gets drunk and he spends time in brothels until he gets arrested. Uh, but he makes like friends with two, like, uh, I want to say Mexicans. Like mops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they're like mobsters. Um, and they help him break out and he has a, his buddy is a, a raven makes a, makes a friend, a raven named Cortez and, uh, he breaks out. Cool. Um, what did he time, go to prison for? Probably just uh, unruliness at the brothel. I don't know. Is that is that legal there in Mexico? I don't know. No, I don't I think no so. Idea. No. Yeah, so that's probably what it is then. Oh, so Russell goes to LA at this time, and he he gets confronted by the Grim Reaper, who takes Dell from his body permanently. So Dell is no longer part of his body. The Grim Reaper that shot his friends originally. Yes, yes. And then Russell ends up having an emotional breakdown until Ike Turner invites him to come stay at his basement, <laughs> which which is Ike because Turner from like Ike and Tina Turner. Yes, correct. <laughs> uh, but he also he, he's a contributor to the, to the album, so that's probably why. Hmm. Uh, Noodle goes home to Osaka, Japan, to try to track down where she came from. She is in a sushi restaurant and she hears a chef say "ocean bacon." And when she hears that phrase, it brings back all of her memories and her ability to speak English. Hey, and, that's kind of right, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. But it gets, it gets bigger than that. But also she learns she, she also has the ability to speak every language. Whoa. So she realizes she has this uh, mentor. His name is Mr. Kyozo. She tracks him down and, it, and he explains that she's the only surviving member of a scrapped super soldier program. Um, he had to kill all the other members, but he couldn't bring himself to do it, so he erased her memories and hit it with the code word, Ocean Bacon. I'm surprised it took her this long to come across the phrase Ocean Bacon. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the first time I've ever heard it, though. You think I get it every day. <laughs> what if you heard Ocean and Bacon separately? Does that work? How do those things work? Like a um, code word? I think you have yeah. to hear them back to back, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're going down to the ocean... Bacon, bacon <laughs> is baking coming. potatoes. <laughs> what, if, <laughs> what if two people are walking by and you hear two different sentences, and it just happens that someone's saying, "We're going to the ocean to have a party." And one's saying, "Like, oh, do you want yeah. some bacon for lunch?" And and so you'd hear the ocean bacon, but it's two from people. Would that I work? Think that you would think? work. Yeah, yeah I, think I, think so. I think that does it. Hmm. Okay. Well, good to know for future reference. Kevin, do you uh, feel any different after hearing the words "ocean bacon"? I mean, it puts me in a, a little bit of a fit every every day, but uh, I, I come out of it until the next ocean. What's, fra- what's a, a good phrase we can use to calm you down? Um, soggy toes. Ew, gross. <laughs> cool. All right, so once she gets all, she reels all this stuff. She knows that she's a super soldier. She knows that she was part of like a, you know, a program to 
to kill people, so she knows that she can kill really easily. She's good at that. She decides to go back to the original Kong Studios, and when she gets there, it's just overrun by zombies. The zombies have taken it over. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> she decides to, like, bunker herself down in one of the rooms um, and just goes around killing them all. She gets single-handedly killed all the zombies because she wants to start recording her own album, and so she gets rid of all of them and starts recording it. And that's what becomes Demon Days, uh, which is, you know, the next album. This kind of starts to culminate with a bunch of different things are happening at the same time. There's going to be a, a music video shoot, and in this music video shoot, there's going to be uh, the Windmill Island. You guys know what the Windmill Island looks like? No. I saw it in the Feel Good yeah, music feel video, good. Right? So she's like sitting on, on her, she's playing her guitar, and then, you know, the, the, that's where he sings, like, the windmill, windmill for the wind. Mm-hmm. That, that thing, yeah. So that was supposed to be a staged music video. When we're watching it, it's supposed to be an actual music video that's shot in fiction, even though the, in this world, it's already a fictional world. It's supposed to be a thing that's that was a set fiction up. within the fictional world. Yes, you got it. That's fun. Yeah, like and an illustrated set. Yeah, it's like thing. a set. Yeah, so they chose to go sh- shoot stuff there. And in this in the scene, it's supposed to be so these two helicopters are like military helicopters gun down the island, and she has a secret parachute that she's going to go and jump off the island at the last second and parachute down to, to safety without anybody noticing. You know, is it a flying island? It's a flying island. Sorry, I should have okay. specified. Yeah, it's a flying island. In the in the actual shoot, if you watch the video. It doesn't come off that way. It comes off like these helicopters are actually trying to gun her down, and you don't even know if she survives because the parachute falls on the floor at the end of it, and you don't see her or anything else like that. Which then will lead the, the next set of the story, the next stage of the story, of more or less four years of Noodle being gone. What? Um, so we we presume that she's dead. So imagine you know, imagine this is whatever two thousand five or whatever, and you just. You see the island get shot down. You see the parachute fall to the floor, and you don't see Noodle at the end of it. So you're supposed to presume that she's dead. Um, okay, so it was a it was a music video shoot. It was a fictional music video in the yes, fictional universe. But where the helicopter goes, the mm-hmm. helicopter attacks weren't part of the music video. They were supposed to be, but huh. if you watch it, it looks like it's too like it's too much, and and you know she just it looks like it's real. It looks like it's a real thing. Okay. It's, I think it's supposed to be gray. It's supposed to be a gray area like that, so we're not really supposed to know, but they also want it to seem authentic so that when they explain what actually happens, that it seems, like, legitimate still. So okay. Is she old at this point? She's, she's, still little, she's, she's still a kid, but she's older. She's taller than she used to be and doesn't wear, like, a silly helmet and stuff. Like um, 13 or 14? She's got to be something like that. Yeah. Okay. What actually happened is a weird side story. So we're going to talk about um, a guy named Jimmy Manson. Uh, Jimmy Manson looks like uh, Charles Manson, but he's three feet tall and he has the number 23 scribed into his head. <laughs> hey, it's uh, Michael Jordan's number. Yeah. Big MJ fan probably. Well, huh? the whole thing is that there's a whole back lore about 23 being like the number of the beast kind of thing. Like two times three is, 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 um, oh, six. Yeah. Six. Okay. Yeah. Um, or also I think it's two divided by three is point six, six, six. Um, there's there's a whole bunch of stuff. The number 23 shows up frequently in, in this series. You see it everywhere. It's like written on walls. Um, it's like, you know, like weird birthdays and stuff like that. But anyway, so that's kind of supposed to be like another recurring bad thing that you see. So this guy tried out for the band. Imagine like a a, a tiny, a tiny Charles Manson tried out for the band years earlier to play guitar (laughs) and they, and they said no to him. Like the Beach Boys. Yeah. Like the Beach Boys. Yeah. So yeah, that's probably exactly what it's supposed to be. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty. Did good. you know about that, Kevin? No. Charles Manson tried to play guitar for the Beach Boys, and they uh, they weren't into it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever listen to Charles Manson's music? Yeah, no. I'm not into it. It's not great. 
I like Look you, at Your Game Girl. That's a good song. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's, it's like nothing special though. Like it's not a good song. It just sounds very generic 60s, like folk rock, I think. That's something that you're more of a, you know, more of that stuff than I do. Uh, uh, it, I don't know about that, but. Um, I, I do like it though. I just wish he would have used a metronome cause it seems like it changes pace kind of. <laughs> He's got a lot of flaws, but that one was <laughs> first and foremost. <laughs> this podcast is literally get into to uh, the depth of, of Charles Manson's music playing. <laughs> so there's a whole thing where he might have had some ties to the record label. I think he was trying to become the leader of the record label uh, or a separate one. It's really weird and bizarre, but the whole thing is that he wants to kill them and try to take the money from them. Murdoch makes a little deal with him. He's like, well, how about this? You can be in our music video and you're going to go inside the windmill tower and there's going to be a bunch of guns in there. And when the helicopters come, you can shoot them down. And this is like unbeknownst to Noodle or anybody else who's making the music video. And so Murdoch makes this deal. He says, yeah, go do it. But he knows that Jimmy Manson is a, is a bad guy who's trying to kill them. So what he does instead is, you know, Jimmy Manson runs up into the top of the tower and he locks the door or he makes it, you know, he sets it up so the door locks behind him and there are no guns in there. That way, when the helicopters shoot down the island, Jimmy Manson uh, dies with the, the island. Was Noodle just in the wrong place at the wrong time or was that part of the plan? It was part of Murdoch's plan without her knowing. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. We're now at the next scene where... Okay. Murdoch had taken all of the money that he'd made. He burned down the rest of the studio. He took the insurance he money. down the haunted mansion? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, and then he blamed it on a bunch of kids, and they all got arrested. <laughs> uh, but since he has all that money now, he starts going on this drunken party voyage around the world. He's on a boat. Out of nowhere, we start seeing that there are these, these pirates that are kind of attacking him, and they're manifesting from black clouds, and they're called the Black Clouds. Furthermore, we also see one extra spooky character who has like a, imagine like a big Batman cape with a gas mask on it, like gas mask and goggles. That Mm -hmm. is called the Boogeyman. And that Boogeyman is also coming after him. So Boogeyman can manifest out of Black Cloud. So we presume that he's part of them. But he's also known as the fifth horseman of the apocalypse, uh, which is called Flatulence, and he rides a donkey. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) We'll end the world. (laughs) Flatulence, war, death, and flatulence. Yep. Um, And so we know that he's now going to be a looming character. He's kind of the villain for this arc right here. He decides he needs to get away from everything. He's got to get away from the pirates, and he's just sailing around until he finds... An island that's made out of garbage. Um, he paints the island pink and starts calling it Plastic Beach. He decides this is where he wants to have his new hideout and new studio, so he ships a bunch of the band's equipment and starts building it up there. We also find out at this time that Murdoch, he did try to go find Noodle. So after everything happened, he went back over to the crash site to go see if he could find her and, and you know help her or whatever else he needed to do. And he doesn't find her, but he finds blood and hair. So he takes it and makes a brand new cyborg noodle. Whoa. Yeah. And so, so Kevin, you were also right, too. There is a there is a robot noodle involved in this story. Oh, cool. Um, and he's using her as a replacement for a real noodle <laughs> for the band. <laughs> so uh, at this time, Russell's still in a really bad state. He's kind of gone. And Murdoch decides just to make a, make a drum machine out of, out of all of his equipment to replace him. So that is the real world justification for the shift in Plastic Beach being a lot of electronic drums and stuff. That's neat. Okay, so now there's kind of a gap of time. So think of this as like a commercial break. When we now see Russell next, 
he kind of has like more of a conviction about him and he decides on his own without any really information. We don't get any information as he's just going to swim to plastic beach. We're not sure why he knows to go there. Um, but he just jumps off a pier and starts swimming and he's going to swim all the way across the ocean in the process of doing so all like the mi- microplastics and the toxins of the ocean get into him. And as he's swimming like nonstop, he just gets gigantic. He gets big and big and big <laughs> and to the point where he's just, he's so big that he's like, he can walk with his head sticking out of the top of the water and, uh, and you know, and his feet are presumably walking on the bottom of the ocean. So he's just a really, really big guy. Now this is more or less where everybody starts to kind of get back together again. Because there was that weird gap of time, we don't know why, but now we're going to go into the music video for a song called Stylo. Stylo is the name of the car that they have, and they're driving. So when I say there, it is now Murdoch, 2D, and Robot Noodle, and they're driving. They're frantic, and they're trying to get away from, from police and from a bounty hunter. So just to give you an idea, Murdoch looks disheveled. He looks like he's stressed out, like he's just trying to, like, he's frantic because he's the one who's driving. Noodle's in the back, Cyber Noodle, and she has a bullet hole in her head. She's still functioning, but she has a bullet hole in her head. Do we know that she's a robot at this point? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, and uh, 2D is hungover or drunk, and he has a clown mask that's kind of half on, <laughs> but he's just scared. And so they're just driving, and they're trying to get away from a uh, bounty hunter. You guys want to guess who the bounty hunter would be? I'm going to say it's a real life dog, the bounty hunter. <laughs> that would be really good. That would be really good. Uh, it's Bruce Willis. <laughs> oh, is it really? <laughs> what? So Bruce Willis is playing Bruce Willis, but he's a bounty hunter in this situation. Is, and he's it, chasing is after he a cartoon them. Bruce Willis? No, it's just real Bruce it's Willis. Real life Bruce Willis is chasing them on a, on a it's a, supposed to be a Southern California like desert road. The video culminates with them jumping off a cliff in style of the car into the Pacific Ocean, which then turns into a submarine. And that goes into the next video, which is Melancholy Hill. So when we see, if we were to follow them through that little voyage, Melancholy Hill is kind of more, it's kind of a sad song. It's more like, well, I'm sad and you're sad, but maybe somehow in our brains we can be sad together. And so they're just like underwater and there's a bunch of like sea life. And then all of their contributors to the album are all in submarines. So you see like a cartoon version of Snoop Dogg and he's hanging out with them. And and they're they're just more or less trying to get back to Plastic Beach. Um, Meanwhile, at the end of the video, they actually do get to Plastic Beach. And when they surface in their submarines, they see that the boogeyman is standing on top of like this big rock formation. And there's a big manatee and he's kind of standing on top of this manatee. And so Robot Noodle (laughs) opens fire, tries to kill him. He grabs the manatee as cover and then just rolls into the ocean. Oh, no. The poor manatee. (laughs) Now let's go and take a look at real Noodle. Noodle's on a freight ship that's owned by the record label. She has a mask on now. She wears a mask to hide more or less. She has a scar on her face. It's supposed to be like this is four years later. We see we see Noodle now on his has like a, like a, a machine gun. She's like shooting off these fighter planes that are trying to like kill her and stuff. Um, so, again, we don't know what the context is as to why this is happening. We have to presume that this is because she was part of that sleeper agent, super soldier plan kind of thing. Mm hmm. She ends up shooting down the planes. The planes sink the ship. She grabs a life raft, and she's just laying in the life raft. At that time, big old Russell, he's all giant. He just happens to come up on her, and um, she's just now sitting on top of his head. <laughs> and so he just carries her around, and now he becomes kind of a protector of her. So sometimes he rides on, a, on his head. Sometimes he puts her in his mouth so that no one can hit her. Um, Is uh, Russell just big forever now? Kind of. Not forever, forever. Okay. But, but he stays big for a while. This all supposed to more or less 
culminate in a really, really big epic battle that never got shot. The storyboards oh, no. are out there. So the last music video that didn't get shot is the, the solution to the end of the story. So I'm just going to give you kind of a basic overview of what was intended to happen, but it didn't happen for funding okay. reasons or cool. whatever else. So there's a big battle uh, between Robot Noodle versus uh, and, and Murdoch. Murdoch kind of gets scared and he like kind of hides inside the, the studio. 2D is also at the studio, but underwater, kind of like a iceberg. So he has like, a little <laughs> viewport and he can see outside. But Robot Noodle now is trying to fight the boogeyman who then summons the other horsemen and a bunch of black cloud pirates. So Noodle recruits all of the contributors to the album that came up on their little submarines that followed them there. And they all have guns and they're all going to go fight the pirates together. (laughs) There's also a giant whale that's trying to attack 2D underwater. Right when he's like just about to bite him, uh, Russell shows up and just grabs him with one hand and just throws him at the planes that are shooting at them. That's great. The boogeyman tries to run away again. This is where it gets a little shaky. They they end up re- redoing the story in the books versus the end of the actual video lore. So what ends up actually happening is that there's going to be a weird... <laughs> this is a weird side thing. They made a deal with Internet Explorer 9 as a promotional thing. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> to, yeah, to make like like a weird commercial about them. Like I don't know. They're like touring around. It's Murdoch again kind of leading them and... It's it's pretty funny and pretty fun. There's like a it shows them like the awards they have in the wall. And one of them is for this thing called Little Dolphins Academy, which I looked it up. And it's like a it's a spoof of a thing that you would take your toddler to to go swim, learn how to swim. <laughs> Wait, it's an ad to try to get to people, try to get people to want to use Internet Explorer. Yeah, to use Internet Explorer. But also as part of another promotion, they come up with this character named the Evangelist, who is supposed to be everything, every power identical to, but the opposite, the good version of the Boogeyman. And uh-huh. so they have a contest and it's hosted again through Internet Explorer 9 and you could draw <laughs> your character and it was going to win and that would be the one who was supposed to slay the boogeyman. So uh-huh. the drawing of the evangelist is kind of a it's like a fishbowl head with a bunch of tentacles coming out and two one-eyed octopus creatures wrapped around what looks like kind of an androgynous maybe a, f- a female looks like it's a girl kind of veiny person with white sneakers huh. and 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 drops squishing out of the out of the sneakers. That sounds pretty wild. Yeah, so it just it's kind of like a person, a person with a fishbowl head with a bunch of weird stuff going on. And and this is the winner amongst many submissions. Yes, and it's not a bad drawing. It's kind of cool, but we don't ever get to see the evangelist do anything. The evangelist is supposed to be the one who slays the boogeyman, but then again, after this point, everything kind of stops, and it, they they end up changing the lore based on what gets released next, which are the books. After all this happens, Murdoch claims after the big fight that he gets into a submarine and he goes to Hawaii. Actually, what's happening is he's in a rundown house in London and he's recording a radio show that's just about (laughs) his own band and he just plays his own songs. So this ends up being the next place that they set up camp going into the next phase, pretty much. Uh, The next music video takes place in the next studio they're going to be living in. It's kind of like a rundown, several stories. We see this video and it's very casual. 2D is walking around. The first chunk of it is just him waking up and like brushing his teeth for like 30 seconds and like in his underwear. But it's, it's very much the mundane happenings of what are happening inside this like world. And so you see Murdoch and he's, he's in one of those like wheelchair assist things for the stairs, you know, that you ride down. Yeah. Rather than walking down the stairs, he just wants to go I down. Hate those. those are so gross. Yeah. And he's just like, he's just like half naked and drooling and snarling at 2D when he walks by. And the whole thing is like, <laughs> He's just scaring 2D a bunch. And, and as they're walking around, you see this figure that is supposed to be Andre 3000, but he has a, like a black mask with an X on. And he's also just kind of like 
in the refrigerator and in cabinets and all sorts of weird stuff. There's bowls of severed ears around and <laughs> the phrase ocean bacon is on the wall. You see huh. some 2023s, but also uh, the boogeyman is Uh-oh. now kind of their roommate. He's just reading a magazine on the couch. He's just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it doesn't quite make any sense, but we just go with it at that point. Um, yeah. I think that's kind of supposed to be more like a throwback to how things used to be. Like the original website that I was talking about in the beginning was just wild. There was just garbage and shit everywhere and a lot of trash. There's just trash everywhere all the time and all these things. Now, there are a few notable changes aside from where the videos ended up going and uh, the individual books of each of the characters. So we're going to have to dip back for a second and look at that again. Murdoch escaped in that in the submarine. 2D was swallowed by the whale. The whale's name is Massive Dick, like Moby Dick. <laughs> and the whale died and he floated onto an island. And so he doesn't know how to survive. So he just starts eating this whale carcass and he's living there for a while. Until one day he sees a plane, so he starts chasing it, and he realizes that a few miles down down the beach, it's just a Mexican. He's in Mexico, and, and there's a rave <laughs> going. A town? It's just a rave, yeah. So he gets a job working at this rave, making friendship bracelets until he gets fired and goes home. <laughs> fired for making friendship bracelets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, so uh, even though Russell is on the roof of that house in the book lore, what ends up happening between all this time is that. So Russell had noodles still in his mouth. He was swimming away. But some fishermen harpooned him. And in the process of that happening, they got separated. She ends up kind of like washing up on shore of a fishing village. And he ends up getting picked up by North Korea. North Korea thinks that he's a Godzilla-like figure in their in their world. So they capture him and put him on display for tourists. But because they don't have any food, the lack of nourishment more or less decreases his size and becomes a human size again. Uh, uh, that's and funny. They, yeah, and then they let him go. And he goes, he goes and meets up. That's why he's he's at the in the music video. Why he's on top of it, or I guess that's why he goes back. It doesn't really make sense because he's he's supposed to be human sized at this point in the books in the video. He's, he's still back big. There. He's still uh. big. So uh, Noodle uh, ends up meeting this guy who, who takes her in, who's like works. He, he works as like a, a fisherman. He's training her, and so she's she's helping out. And she goes down. And she finds a clam and opens it up. But in doing so, she accidentally releases a demon whose name is Meizu. She feels bad about that, obviously. She's like, I can't let this happen. But since she's a soldier, she decides to go track down Meizu and um, beheads him. <laughs> and so that's her own like side arc that happens. And then um, uh, and then she mails herself back, just like in the beginning, <laughs> oh, to, to where they are. Yeah, so, so they're in London now. So there was that album that just came out, the Humans album, was kind of poorly received because it was all about new artists and there wasn't a whole like there's a lot of backlash because everybody was like where's 2d on this we don't hear him singing for all these tracks but there is a an, uh, the song called spirit house and it shows their new haunted house that they're going to be kind of recording in and it's just kind of scary there's a whole thing where murdoch is going through like space time and looking and there's a bunch of ghosts there's like a a pizza ghost in the refrigerator and, uh, and a worm ghost and there's a bunch of scary stuff going on but they're all together again they're ready to go ahead and record the next album in real life, the album didn't do very well. People didn't like it. But there is one thing to take away from that. There's another music video for Strobe Light. And in Strobe Light, it's kind of just a weird mocap of 2D and and Noodle dancing together. Mm-hmm. It's odd. It looks weird. But anyway, the only thing that you really see is a human man, another human man like Bruce Willis. And he's supposed to be a character named Al Mierda. Al Mierda is a, he's a big villain. He's a demon. He's a, supposed to be a descendant of the uh, Santa Muerte. Do you guys know that? What's that? Uh-uh. There's 
something called like Lady Holy Death in uh, in Mexico. It's like denounced from the Catholic huh. Church, but people still kind of worship her as someone who protects you. In front of someone's house, they set up a statue of her, and it was supposed to be kind of like you're not supposed to you're not supposed to love her or worship her or anything. But people still go and bring flowers and fill up the whole statue display every day because plus cool. she heals and protects and guides loved ones in the afterlife. Uh, she has a nickname, Skinny Lady, uh, Lady of Shadows. So she's she's a saint, but not officially recognized by the Catholic Church. Yes, she's denounced by the oh, Catholic that's really Church. Cool. But a she's lot like of, a rogue, a rogue saint. You got it, a rogue saint. <laughs> that's neat. Um, so he's supposed to be a, de- a descendant of hers, but it's actually a man named Phil Cornwell, who's actually the guy who voices Murdoch in real life. And he just has a fez on and a mustache disguise, <laughs> and he hands Murdoch a white card. You don't really know much about that. It's just the album was really poorly received. And why I say that is because immediately after that happened, rather than waiting four years, they made a new album and released it one month later. Oh, really? Yeah. So they were like, "This one was bad. Let's try it again." Yeah, because everybody was saying, "Where's 2D? This isn't this isn't Gorillaz music." And so they're like, "Oh, okay. Well, how do we fix that?" And this is current day. This is actually happening like this month is where this conversation is starting right now. <laughs> what, what they did to, to fix that, they said, well, what would have in theory prevented 2D from being able to do what he wanted musically? And it's because it's Murdoch. Murdoch is scary. Murdoch is abusive. He doesn't mm-hmm. let him do anything. So we're going to put Murdoch in jail. So Almira frames him and he ends up getting put in prison. And so this new album, the now, now we don't have Murdoch anymore on bass. Um, so, 2D is free to, to go out and be fun and, and nice. And there's an, uh, a new song called Humility with Jack Black dancing in the background. <laughs> he's just on skates at the Venice Boardwalk. And um, he's just, just having a good time. And he's singing. And it's back to normal, happy music. Um, but a few things happen in this video. Uh, so we see Noodle, who's a little bit older and wearing one of 2D's old shirts from the first phase. Kind of cool, because now it would fit her, you know. We see Russell at the end of the video and Russell trips him and is mad at him trips she trips 2D who's skating uh-huh. and 2, 2D's happy during this whole video his, his eyes are white what? which normally means demon stuff but in this case his eyes are normal again and after he gets up from getting tripped he opens his eyes and they turn black again oh man um, but it's weird because Russell's always been kind of protective of him so that leads to the next open debate. So you guys are part of this right right now. The debate is, why would Russell do that? Why is Russell mad at him? The running theories are like in the current interviews, he's gotten really, really cocky. He's been kind of condescending, but he's just too cocky. And Russell's like, we need to go get our buddy. Like, what are you doing? And so that's what most people are speculating on uh, right now. Because Mur- the- uh, Russell's kind of, even though he, he doesn't take any Murdoch shit, Russell kind of protects the whole group, right? He wants to keep everybody right. together. He's a, me- he's a mediator. Yeah, he's a, he's a protector. Um, uh, a couple other cool things. Let's go ahead and jump into that part of the story. If you want to, if you have like Alexa or if you have Facebook uh, Messenger, you can actually call uh, Murdoch in jail right now. And he tells you the story of what's happening. And exp- Have you done it? Mm-hmm. And oh, cool. uh, it's fun. It's like an interactive thing where you talk to him. Like I just did it, I did it via like, you know, instant messenger and we're just talking back and forth. And he's funny and he's quick. And it, you end up telling you how to break into the intercom system to set up a distraction for the, um, uh, the warden. The, the, the warden's name is Big Balls McGinnis, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, very good. That way he can either fight or, or break out and get away from uh, Almierda, who's supposed to be like this crazy madman. So um, that's currently happening right now. But also, we don't have a bass player. So we see a new guy who pops up, 
and he has green skin and a pointy nose and a receding hairline. And his name is Ace. We see a little card that says Ace on it. Um, now, I think, Roger, you know who this is, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So who is it? Ace of Base. Uh, Ace is from the Powerpuff Girls, right? Yep. He's a character He's, in the Powerpuff Girls universe. He was the leader of the Gang Green Gang. So actually, in this world, they're borrowing a character from Powerpuff Girls. Which is crazy because those universes, like, those could not be more different. No, not at all. Powerpuff Girls is is a kid's show. So remember when this was all coming out? This is all like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. They were huge fans of Powerpuff Girls at the time. Oh, really? Yeah. And just through, you know, I guess through extension of of celebrity status or whatever, they became friends and said, we're going to let you borrow this character but oh, this is so cool. cool also extra neat because they rebooted uh powerpuff girls recently and uh they're they've gotten the green light to make a, a tv show for the gorillas so that might oh, really? mean that there's going to be a crossover between both those animated universes oh that's rad i love yeah. that so, there's other references in the powerpuff girls cartoon to gorillas too right Oh, probably. I don't know. But there's an episode in Powerpuff Girls where somebody's reading a newspaper and there's a reference to the gorillas on the front page of the, of the newspaper. And then I think there's a scene in one of the gorillas videos where somebody's wearing a Mojo Jojo shirt. Mm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like they've been wearing Mojo Jojo shirts throughout, throughout the thing. Like, I, yeah. I feel like the, the, a lot of times they will have references to other bands and other things that they like. They've, they've been very vocal about each of the individual uh, fictional characters having their own influences. So, like, for instance, 2D really likes The Cure. He went to the same school as The Cure. That's fun. Yeah, and he likes uh, the specials. Um, even though Murdoch dresses kind of metal, they say that he only listens to punk music, really, and, like, or, and like reggae and dub. But mm-hmm. that's why they explain there's no there's no real metal in, in any of the music. There's punk stuff, but there's no metal huh. in it. Yeah. So they all have like artists that they like. Robot Noodle has uh, has said that she has a crush on Robert Pattinson from Twilight and wants to teach him guitar. <laughs> um, and this is a great one. Uh, so do you guys remember S Club 7? Was that a boy band? It was like a hybrid girl boy band. Okay. Yeah. From again, it's like the same time as the Backstreet Boys. Uh, so there's a, one of the singers, his name is uh, Rachel Stevens. And on record, uh, 2D has said that he used to date her. <laughs> I guess, I guess that's been a recurring thing. They're like, I guess, I guess that's true. They, they don't deny it or anything. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, but, but I don't know. I think it's, I think it's great. But I mean, again, a lot of the stuff, it's really, really cool. It's really interesting to find all the cool little hidden stuff. They're full of yeah. Easter eggs. And do you think, um, uh, Ace of Base is, is a reference? Because he's his name is Ace and he plays the bass. We have to look for the sign. We'd have to we'd have to open up his <laughs> <Yeah>. eyes <laughs> and see the sign. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's kind of it's, I know it's a, a crazy story to follow, especially because some of the things go kind of in different directions sometimes. But that's that's what's happening in that so, weird world. Where it stands now, mm-hmm. 2D is, was happy and free. He's like happy to be free from Murdoch. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell wants to get the band back together so he trips 2d and kind of pulls him back into that world right? allegedly allegedly yeah that's a speculation thing uh noodles yeah. just kind of hanging out and murdoch is in jail uh trying to break out right yeah i think that's really cool i wish there were more bands like that that had uh, like fictional narratives that went along with it yeah it's cool i hope they do the tv show too i'd like to watch it i'm mm-hmm. sure they will at this point there was a point where they thought like phase three style that gorillas were on their way out that people weren't going to be into it anymore but uh, and that's like the time of the Internet Explorer stuff, <laughs> which is why they kind of sold out a lot. They, they made like a deal with Converse sneakers and stuff. Um, 
But, but also, uh, how cool is that that they had an album that didn't do well? It was kind of a flop. And mm-hmm. rather than let that hold them back, they're like, well, shit, we'll just make a better album right now. You know, That's I was really wondering cool. about that. I, I think it's awesome. But I was thinking, do you think they just have a bunch of like B-side songs that they had ready oh, to maybe. go that they just. Yeah. That's what John Mouse did. I don't know if you guys know who John Mouse is, but. Only from um, you, yeah. Um, he, he released one album and then he was like, oh, but also I have all these extra songs that didn't really fit in with the vibe of, of my last album. So here's an extra album for free. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> we should make a fictional universe for a band that we like just to, uh, just to create it. And I was thinking. You too. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking my favorite band, you too. Yeah. Um, no, but I was thinking maybe somebody like, um, maybe like Reba, Reba McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Okay. We make a fictional universe that explains the, you know, like all the adventures that she's got in life and stuff. Yeah. But more, yeah. Just kind of her role as a, as like a mother, yeah. you know, just yeah. in like a, and just the family dynamic in Reba's household. I bet it's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. I would love just to get, you know, just to, just to be a fly in the wall of Reba's house. Yeah. Um, I was thinking just to mix it up and I see where you're going with that. <laughs> uh, but maybe we can make her an alien. <laughs> is, that, is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for like maybe season eight, though. Maybe we can get her to cover Blue Dabba Dee, <laughs> and then she can make that the theme song <laughs> for her new show. Yeah. That was um, great. That was, a, that was a joke about the Reba McIntyre's TV sitcom. Oh, you that, didn't want to do that? that land? Huh? I, I, I thought you really wanted to do that. Uh, well, I, I mean, it's already been done, I guess, is, yeah. was the joke. I guess we missed, we missed out on that. We missed the boat on that one. Yeah. On the joke or uh, the Reba McIntyre? Both. Both. The whole thing was a flop. <laughs> like the Reba show. <laughs> <laughs> what if she was a, what if she was a fan and just heard that and decided she didn't want to, she was going to promote us big time on the show. I don't want then, it. I don't want Reba's dirty money. That? <laughs> no. I do. I'm okay with that. Reba, Reba, if you're out there, get at me. Let's do it. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, thanks, everybody. Joey. That's really cool. Thanks, yeah. everyone. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. See you next time. Bye.